Like these are all the things that I would want somebody to say about me in the workplace. And so if that's what I want them to say, that's how I have to show up. Welcome to the Grow Tribe. Hi, I'm Melissa McGowan, and I love that you're choosing growth. In this podcast, we shine a light on the diverse, messy, and real ways that you grow in leadership and life. We reflect, connect, and share what growth means to us. After two decades supporting growth in business, and of course my own, I firmly believe that where you go with your energy, time, focus, money, and precious resources, you actually grow. We're better together, so stay curious, stay awesome, join our tribe, and feel alive. Hey, Grow Tribe. I'm launching a 10-week group coaching program starting in October. It is specifically to help busy women who might be struggling with overwhelm, a lack of time, or patchy energy gain unstoppable mojo momentum. You'll powerfully upgrade your habits, mindsets, and resources with amazing like-hearted women to put you on top of your to-do list, achieve what really matters, and build confidence in work and life. I call that becoming the chief energy officer of your life. Chief energy officer uniquely integrates growth as its mind, action as its energy, and connection as its heart. So it doesn't matter where you are on the mojo scale, now is the time to equip yourself to jive into 2022 with clarity, confidence, and connections. And you know what? We have some fun doing it. Now, there are limited spots, so go to the link in the show notes to jump on the wait list so you know when the doors open and you can secure a spot and the waitlist bonus offer. Remember, Mojo is a quality that attracts people to you, makes you successful and full of energy. Like, who doesn't want that? So get your skates on. Now is the time for you and your team to gain true Mojo momentum. Today, we are supported by Suze Chadwick. Suze Chadwick helps people and businesses develop their brand so they stand out and they can be really successful. And today that's what we dive into, personal branding to support all of our growth, helping us get clear and be awesome. Suze is absolutely in the grow zone herself as a business coach. She's got a really diverse background of experiences, which really adds to the richness of her whole skill set and superpowers. She was in HR and recruitment before she set up her own business, the essence of which I think is perfectly captured in the name of her book, Play Big, Brand Bold. I would suggest you get out your notebook because you're like me, you're probably going to want to start taking notes and dive into this. Well, good afternoon, Suze Chadwick. Uh, welcome to the Grow Tribe from your very colourful, sunny Melbourne-based location, which is putting me to shame, and in your beautiful pink dress as well. <laughs> we won't talk about the fact that I'm still in my running gear from this morning, which I don't do often, but, you know, today I have. So how are you this afternoon? How's your uh, how's your energy going this week? Yeah, good, good. I was just saying to you that I've just, I just ran a 13-woman retreat down on the Mornington Peninsula last week, so that took a lot of energy. I am an extrovert most of the time. I kind of am an ambivert, really, but I love in-person gatherings, events, retreats, things like that. So I find it energizing, but I also find it 
very draining as well, which is an interesting (laughs) conundrum. But yeah, it was amazing. So now I'm really just in catch up mode this week. But yeah, it's been good. I mean, just hearing that for some people, the idea of going to like an in-person event, Mm. even the introverts have been telling me I'm getting like over myself at home, like I need the company of others. So this is very exciting to have uh, events coming back up, at least in our part of the world. And that is an ever evolving feast as we see the news coming out of Queensland this week. Uh, But it sounds like then this week, you know, in the flow, and I talk about this a lot, the sort of the rhythm of, you know, where we're spending and transferring our energy and then where we're renewing our energy, you know, even when that sort of work, it's so energizing and you love it, but but equally it does diminish our energy. So it sounds like you're in a bit of a renewal uh, week this week, which is awesome. So I often um, talk about on this podcast the, the grow zone, the idea of being in an area where you're working with superpowers you've got on work that you're really passionate about in ways that is adding value to others and also you know bringing back uh, value and recognition and rewards to yourself. It strikes me that you are in the grow zone and it's a, what a what a colorful grow zone it is. Uh, I know we don't all generally most of us don't just start out our careers there like there's a bit of a journey to get to the grow zone. So before we dive in to our discussion today, can you just give a little bit of brief background on you uh, and your grow zone? Yeah, absolutely. And I always find it interesting when somebody says quick, I'm like, it was such a journey to get here. But um, in a nutshell, in my big nutshell, uh, I basically came from an HR and recruitment background. Uh, I started, I kind of fell into recruitment when I was about 20 years old. And then uh, they sent me to London uh, as an opportunity to transfer, which was amazing. I ended up working for a big four consulting business. uh, And during that time, at that big four managing the recruitment for London and the UK. Uh, I discovered branding. We were doing a really big recruitment drive and campaign to hire about 100 consultants and they brought in a branding agency and we were looking at concepts and brand activations and events and strap lines and all the rest of it. And I was just like, this is amazing. Like, I love this. Uh, And so that was kind of my first taste of the brand world, really. Uh, And so kind of shoot forward quite a few years, I ended up back in Melbourne. So I lived in London for about eight and a half years. And then I came back to Melbourne with my husband. Uh, I took one of their Welshmen and I brought him home with me. And then I ended up working for a recruitment company here on site. So recruitment manager of teams. And once again, just kind of stumbled across the branding element just before I went on maternity leave. And and I was in a meeting with a brand consultant two or three days before I went on mat leave. And she was talking all about, you know, building communities and building brands and getting online and all the rest of it. And about, I would say a couple of months after I, uh, had my first child, I contacted her on LinkedIn and I said, Sam, I'll work for you free of charge if you teach me what you know. And so it was kind of on a Thursday afternoon as my baby slept, I would be on Skype at that point, calls with her and her clients doing brand strategy and social media strategy and community building and all the rest of it. 
Uh, and so I did that for a while. And then two years later, because I had another child during my mat leave, I went back to the company I was working for, which was a recruitment process outsourcing business. And I said, I think we're missing an opportunity not having a fully fledged employer branding consulting division. And so my CEO said, all right, go do it. And so I put myself through a lot of training. They put me through a certificate in employer branding. And then I put myself through a number of big courses as well. Uh, And just through that kind of activity, I built uh, the employer branding division, which ended up being global. So we had our, you know, people in the US and in the UK, and I was here managing Asia Pack. Uh, and it was amazing. It was really incredible. We built it from the sort of the ground up uh, with all the pricing, packaging, messaging, all the rest of it. Uh, and we ended up working with really big global companies to support them to improve their employer brand, you know, their the perception of them in the market, their messaging. And one of the things that I did do during that time was I worked with leadership teams on developing their personal brands so that when high quality talent were looking at them as an organization, they could find out more about the leaders, like what were their values? What were they doing? What was, what was the vision of the business? Uh, you know, who would they be working for? And a lot of times leadership teams just don't really think about the fact that their personal brand is a deciding factor for top talent joining an organization. Like, are these the people I want to work with for the next number of years? So that's kind of how I got started. And then I built my business on the side, working with entrepreneurs uh, in the branding space. And I went four days, three days, two days, and then I resigned. I think that is the best live example of an individual development plan that I've ever heard, right? And those in corporate know what I'm talking about, the old IDP, the development plan, whatever it is. But it really is about kind of the the organisation, the individual coming to the party and the individual driving that plan, which is what you did, right? So I'm hearing a fair bit of drive in you in terms of that pivot point, right, for London, going to London and then getting all those great experiences and then really taking ownership from there. And when you made that offer to work for free like that, you know, that was another pivot point, isn't it, in in terms of your growth, which is awesome and well done for marrying a Welshman over out of London, whereas I went to London and and married an Aussie. So, you know, you've got one up on me there. (laughs) Love it. So I love it. I love it. So, I I absolutely agree. And more than ever, I think, candidates having had their different experiences over the last year or so, being just clearer on what alignment looks like for them when they're assessing opportunities um, and advancement in their career. And I think that's why this branding, this personal brand conversation is so ripe right now, whether it's around how you're assessing those opportunities whether it's like you're starting your own business because we did a podcast recently and we talked about the data of showing how many people are actually starting businesses right now has been huge as well. Um, And whether whether it's you talking about yourself as a candidate and how you're sort of advancing your career. So I imagine this concept of personal brand is a little bit like um, purpose where it's got different seasons in our life and different and different purposes 
But, you know, um, whilst many of us have heard about things like what's your elevator pitch, I think to get under a bit more what is a personal brand and why should we be thinking about it, that would be really helpful if maybe you could start with, you know, some of the basics there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, personal brand is reputation. So I just always think about it when you're not in that meeting room and people are deciding on who's going to get the promotion or who's going to get the project or who's a great person to have, you know, as part of your team. The question is, what are they saying about you? Are you is your name even in the mix? And I think that's something that I was always really conscious of is that I was always really aware of who was able to influence my career, who was able to be the advocate for me when I wasn't in the room. What was I doing that was really, I guess, helping me to stand out as somebody that people wanted on their team, people wanted to promote, people wanted to send, you know, to New York on a secondment. Like whatever it was, I was really conscious that I had to build relationships with the right people in order to get what I wanted and to go where I wanted as well. Many people that are high achievers gotten there by focusing more heavily in general to the to the kind of task side. And I was just having a coaching session this morning with a senior guy and we were talking about that and he, to- he told me about these key stakeholders and, and literally like what you just said, dis- discussions that were going on where he wanted to be able to sort of influence and understand. And I said, how much time are you actually spending like catching up and building relationships with those stakeholders? And he was like, well, that's a really good question. Probably none. So at an early stage, how did you have that um, nous? I don't know. I just kind of, I just knew that that's what I needed. So even in high school, I remember joining a new school in year 10 and there was a new principal uh, and I just somehow gravitated towards her. And to, to this day, I still keep in touch with her. So, you know, the relationships are not just there for stepping stones. Like when I feel an alignment with somebody, I'm really conscious that, you know, or not conscious, but just deliberate in my actions. Uh, And so when I, you know, joined the recruitment company that I sort of fell into, I became quite good friends with my manager. And very quickly, I went from admin to consultant to senior consultant to 2IC. And I mean, I was 21. Uh, and then I became good friends with, well, not good friends. I mean, yes, good friends, but also just built a relationship with the new CEO who had just arrived from London. Uh, and he was the one that ended up giving me the transfer to London. So there's a couple of things there is number one, I think it's about the fact that I just enjoy building relationships with people. The second thing is that I'm conscious of who makes decisions in organizations. And I would never uh, be false or be fake it's always, there always is a a true relationship there, but I work at that. And then the third thing is not just to build the relationship, but to be very overt with what it is that you want. And so I was really clear, like, you know, there'd be jokes around, oh, you know, you should go to London. I'm like, literally, I will go to London. If you send me to London, I will go to London. And so I used to ask, I always say to all of my clients and to my kids as well, you know, my mum used to say to me, if you don't ask, you don't get. And so I'm just like, well, there's no harm in asking. Like all they can say is no. And at the end of the day, I could very well get exactly what I want. And a lot of the time I did because I was the only one asking. 
And then it sounds like there was an openness in you, like, you know, you know about talent and, and agility and all of that good stuff. And so you're asking and then you're open. You're like, okay, I'm going to London. Yeah. And I just think, I just think, I don't know, I'm not sure if people don't understand that they actually do have control over their career if they choose to, or whether they think that they're just kind of a leaf on the river where they just end up wherever the tide takes them. I'm not really sure, but I just always, for me, I always wanted to be the CEO of a business, you know, and I remember I was about 25 and I was working for Deloitte in London and John Connolly, who was the managing partner, I was at a drink sing one night and, um, and I met him and he was such a lovely man. Uh, and he was just like, so Sue's like, tell me a bit about yourself sort of thing. And I was just like, I'm gunning for your job. Like, (laughs) and I was like 25. There's an elevator pitch right there. (laughs) And he just laughed, but he was just like, he's like, are you? And I'm like, I just want to be the CEO of a really awesome company one day. I just want to be, I just want to like drive like people's futures and, you know, and I just was really passionate about what I wanted and where I was going. And I just think just that was quite infectious for people. Like I never was, I was serious, but I never sounded serious. You know, like when people said, what do you want to be when you grow up or where, you know, what's, what's next for you? I'm like, I'm just on the ladder to CEO. I didn't realize that I'd be the CEO of my own business one day. Like that was never something I thought about. But uh, yeah, I just was really clear on what I wanted a lot of the time. And I also didn't allow myself to stay in things for too long if it didn't feel right. So, you know, just having those constant, you know, meetings with your manager and stuff like that. It's like, you know, I either need new team members or I want more personal development or I need more coaching on leadership or, you know, we need new reporting systems. Like whatever it was that I just felt was missing, I just used to ask for it. And like I said, a lot of times, I don't think people get what they want because they don't ask and they don't get the resources because they don't let people know. Or they don't, yeah, they don't know what they want. You know, we were Mm. talking about that before we jumped on. Often we know what we don't want, but we haven't given ourselves space and maybe support and structure to work out what we do want, which I guess connects to, you know, you, you started talking about reputation they're probably there's I guess there's some real self awareness in this. How do we actually establish our personal brand? Uh, we, we've got to know what we want first. But we can't ask for it un, unless we do. Yeah, and I think the question I mean I've always asked myself is what does good look like? Like if this was to be really awesome, if this job was to be great, if this business was to be great, even now I still ask myself like what do I not love about what I'm doing? What do I love what I'm doing? Like, what does good look like? Like, how many hours a week do I want to work? And what kind of clients do I want to work with? Obviously, I can do that in my own business now. Uh, But I think just stopping and actually taking a step back from your situation and asking yourself the question, what do I want? And really thinking about it. So if I had a great job, what would the things be that I would be doing? If I had a great boss, what would that person be like? If I had a great week, what would that week look like? Would I be in the office two days a week and at home three days a week? Or am I working four days a week? Like what does good look like? And I think sometimes we're like looking at life as this big picture when in fact it's just kind of breaking it down and saying if that was really good, if this one thing was really good, what would that be like? And then working out 
how do I get that? Like just that one thing. If I had a really good relationship with my boss, like what would that be like? Like are we are we just having great meetings? Am I having more open conversation? Am I asking for more development? Like what am I being really honest about where I'm at? Like I think it's just asking yourself those sorts of questions. Yeah, so say a little bit more for those listening who are thinking, okay, um, do I actually know how to communicate what I'm about? Like my, mm-hmm. you know, my personal brand, um, it's sort of complex and simple at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing. Yeah. So a little exercise that somebody once told me, and this was more about my business, but I think that it can be used for you as like, you know, in a corporate uh, situation. And so it would be... You know, Suzanne goes above and beyond, like the work that she does, I've not really thought about it before. She challenges my thinking. You know, she constantly surprises and delights. She's got an incredible community. She's so giving, but I love the fact that she's got strong boundaries. Like I'm really clear on what I want that, like what I want my clients to say about me. And I actually think that if you were to sort of say, you know, when I was in corporate, I would do the same thing. I'd want somebody to be like, Susie's like, you would always want her on your team. She's a doer. She's strategic. She builds great relationships. Um, She's a clear communicator. Like these are all the things that I would want somebody to say about me in the workplace. And so if that's what I want them to say, that's how I have to show up. And so I think- It's sort of your legacy, isn't it? It's like, actually, if if I strip it all back- what I want people to remember about me and how I showed up on the impact I had is that, you know, and you're sort of like challenging, inclusive, generous, you know, you deliver all those good things you said. It's like, that's really powerful, isn't it? It's not about, you know, I got this to this job in this many years, you know, with, with this few years. And I kind of did that, like what we said, yeah, okay. Initially it was like the CEO's job, but actually what's really compelling there is your, your legacy that you desire is more around, kind of these um, adjectives that you've used that describe how you how you show up. It's so interesting. But, yeah, but that's your personal brand. So I can have a resume and I can have a career path. That's different to what my that's, – that's just saying when I did what. It doesn't say who I am. It just tells you what job I did and when I did that job and where I did that job. But what, but what your personal brand is, it's about – you know, when somebody once again is kind of going, you know, oh, Suze Chadwick applied for this job and they're like, oh my gosh, take her now because she won't last long on the market. Like you've got to think about like, how do I create that buzz about myself? And I think that uh, networking is an important thing. I think that especially when you're in the leadership space as well, um, just having a network. And so you've got a personal brand within your organization and you've got a personal brand outside of your organization. Now, I was really fortunate that because I'm a speaker, when the companies that I used to work for used to sponsor events and things like that and they needed, you know, and then part of that sponsorship is that they get a speaker slot, I was always the speaker. So that allowed me then to have a personal brand in my industry because I was visible And so I think it's also about making that decision about 
what you want your personal brand to be, but also what you're willing to do. And that's not for everybody. So not everybody's an extrovert like me. Not everybody's going to be happy to get on a stage in front of a thousand people, all the rest of it. But I do think that, you know, I had team members that were introverts as well. And I think it was just really about me asking the right questions, but also telling them that I wanted them to tell me what they needed and what they wanted because I couldn't read their minds. Um, And so I think just uh, thinking about what that looks like for you, depending on your own disposition and personality. And the other thing I would say is that if you are an introvert, then one of the best tips I can give you is find somebody who's not, who loves you and who wants to be your advocate out there. Yeah. So I used to have, um, you know, even though I could advocate advocate for myself, I used to have a manager that was always spruiking me inside the organization. So if there was a project, but once again, I did say to him, like, I want projects, I want development. Like if there's anything coming up, secondments, I'm interested. Um, So once again, I did tell him, but then he would kind of do a lot of that work for me as well. So I think it's just about once again, those, once again, coming back to the relationships. Yeah. it's It's also making me think about the comfort zone. Because, you know, introvert or extrovert, I mean, I'm an extrovert, but not by a long stretch, like only really just over. And, you know, for example, you know, I was on ABC radio this week talking about premature menopause. And, you know, when they rang me, it wasn't like I thought they were ringing me to, to schedule the time to do the interview, but it was actually then on the spot. So it was like unprepared, right? And, you know, it was it was a good discussion and I'm okay with how it came out, but it's vulnerable and being visible. You know, in that example, it's like you're getting out of your comfort zone. But equally, if I think about my corporate experience, I, I think asking for the job, the assignment, putting the hand up is something that men typically I've seen do better than women which I think gets back to this comfort zone and how do we find ways to showcase, you know, what we're doing, what we're capable of and what we want without, without it feeling, um, you know, too much like that we're still authentic in that. So there's something there that I think gets in the way for a lot of women. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that. I mean, I do think that there's different times of life as well. Like when I was really climbing the ladder I was definitely like I was in my 20s and early 30s, so I didn't have a family and things like that. I also think that when you get a little bit older, you just like I like comfort. Um, <laughs> like, like I enjoy, like I kind of don't want to have anything too stressful, uh, you know. So I do think that there's, I don't know, I think that sometimes there's a time and a place as well, like at stages of life where you kind of want to just be home or be flexible to be home with your kids if you want to. Uh, yeah, but when I was in my twenties and thirties, I was like going hell for leather and was willing to kind of do anything, uh, and really go for it. So I think it's also about you making a decision about what your priorities are. And it's not to say you can't go after the things that you want, but I think it's just about, you know, looking at when you can do it and how you can do it. And once again, just understanding that whatever you're asking for, understanding what that means. So for example, if I was working in a, you know, corporate business and I wanted a secondment, then there's just a lot more logistics now that I would need to manage uh, than I did before. And so the question is, am I willing to manage the logistics in order to have the opportunity? Uh, And I think instead of just saying, well, I can't do that anymore. It's actually about 
taking a look at it and assessing it uh, and making that decision as well. But then also taking a look at if I wanted to have the development, if I wanted to have the opportunity, what would it look like now? Like what are the other options? Maybe I don't need a secondment. Can I do that here? Can I work on a different client? Can I take on a different project? Um, You know, these are my restrictions. These are my boundaries. But what can I do within that? So I don't think you have to like, you know, give your firstborn and blood, sweat and tears to things. I think it's about being strong in how you communicate what you want and opening up the conversation of what that could look like based on your needs uh, and your responsibilities and priorities as well. And I think sometimes we give too much power to other people to decide what we are able to do and what we're not able to do. And I think it's because maybe some people are not confident to have that conversation where it's like, you know, something I I can't travel a lot, but I still want the opportunity. And I think even just saying something like that starts to shift the dynamic of what it's always been. Oh, and it challenges the status quo of, okay, when we now look at the design of that job again, how much travel do we really need, you know, and, and where could that job be done? And actually I just heard a great example this morning. I was talking to someone, and this is probably rare, but she was planning on leaving her organisation because the part of the business she'd been working in was um, closed down. And they provided her with a coach to help her figure out what she wanted to do and then transition out. And in the process of figuring out what she wanted to do, they almost like outlined a position description and, you know, what she, you know, really wanted in her ideal job. And funnily enough, that job came up internally before she went out into the market. So there's something about the articulation. And I guess Mm -hmm. where I'm heading into now is the communication of our our value and our reputation. And as a new business owner, you know, I, I think this is this is the the challenging part because that whole no like trust, there's so many different things in there. Yep, we know we need to be succinct in in communicating. So maybe you could talk about that communication part a bit. Yeah, for sure. And I think it kind of goes back to that testimonial when it comes to say if you're in a job. So it's, you know, if somebody was to interview me now and say, well, Sue's like, why would we hire you? And I'm like, well, you know, these are all the things that I did, but also this is the kind of person that I am. And I think spending a little bit of time working that out for yourself, like what you want to say, it's really interesting. I spend a bit of time on Clubhouse, which is a new social media audio app, and people always say to me, Suze, you're so clear and succinct when you ask a question or say something. And I'm like, let me not you know, kid you here. Like I sit and I'll write that down. So as I'm thinking about something, I will write it down and then I will look at it and I'll be like, is that what I want to say? And is it clear? And I always remember a a story Brene Brown said, where she's like, whenever she goes into a challenging meeting, she always takes a notepad and pen and she's like written all of her notes And so she's like, and then if I walk into the meeting and they're like, oh, you've got notes. And she's like, you don't. She's like, because this is a tough conversation. This is something that we need to, you know, discuss and go through. And so she's like, whenever I need to have a serious conversation, I always write down notes and I always write down what I want to say. And so I am very much the same. I'm like, when I, if I cannot be succinct, then I need to spend time working out how to be succinct. 
So I think it's just about that's the first thing. It's so good because, you know, I I often think of many sort of those critical conversations, you know, crucial conversations, challenging conversations, radical candor, all that good stuff, giving tough feedback. Always recommend that managers and leaders prepare. But what you're saying there is we are one of those serious conversations. Like I'm not sure that we give ourselves the same level of prep around how I'm going to actually talk about myself versus kind of doing that other tough thing. Like that's just, yeah, a great insight. Yeah, and I remember years ago when I went into a salary negotiation and I went in prepared with the fact that, you know, uh, employer brand managers are now one of the key positions within an organisation. The average salary is around this. Like this is what I bring to the table. Uh, These are my expectations. And once again, all people can say is no. So, you know, and at the end of the day, if I was to walk out of the organisation and they were to bring somebody else in, they'd have to pay that salary anyway. So value the people that you've got because I have an insight into the business, I've got the experience and I'm committed to the role. So I think it's also just about being prepared to have those difficult conversations but doing your research on it as well, depending on what it is that you're talking about. But I think that that's definitely, you know, something to prepare for and think about and it doesn't have to be, you know, long laborious task. It can just really be you jotting down a few notes so that at least you can keep on track when you're in the middle of a conversation. That's an Mm. important conversation as well. And then the other thing when it comes to business owners, I just think it's important. One of the key things that, you know, I work with a lot of my clients on is a brand strategy. And part of that brand strategy is the vision, mission, values. But the other thing is your differentiator. So what's your competitive advantage? And I think just it's not complex. It's really simple to do, but it's actually taking a look and listening. So it's looking at the market, seeing what other people are doing, and then also listening to your clients and them telling you why they went with you instead of other people or how they found you different to working with other people. So for example, if somebody was to say to me, well, Suze, why would I do your course instead of that course? I've got like 10 things that I could say because my clients said to me, I love doing this with you because when I've done it with other people, I didn't get the personalized attention. They didn't have the additional coaches. They don't have like, it's just not the same community. It's, you know, all of these things. And so I think it's, once again, it's going back to that preparation of understanding why you're different, being able to articulate it and say it really clearly and easily, and also just doing the research around what the market looks like and how you want to position yourself. So I always say, you know, are you the Chanel or the Kmart? It's like you've kind of got this axis where you've got high quality, high price, low quality, low price. But then where do you sit within that and how are you positioned against other people on that axis as well? Um, And just being really clear that, you know, something I always like to kind of say, you know, for me, I'm the Gorman of business coaching. And the reason is that... That's you know, hilarious. it's, it's, I love, you know, I just had my brand done and I was like, I'm kind of like the Gorman. <laughs> that was uh, what I said. I love it. You know, I just remember seeing, um, Catherine Sabbath, who's a cake decorator. She's on MasterChef. And I'm like, I just want to be like the Catherine Sabbath of the, of the business coaching world. But it was really just because really original, unique, stands out, recognizable, um, you know, high quality, but not luxury, but 
something that'll last a really long time. Like, you know, when you buy it, you're investing, like it's not cheap, but you know that it holds its value. I'm just, so I always, you know, I always kind of say, think about that. And I was coaching a leadership team, uh, like two women who had their own leadership business. And I remember the, when we were looking at their differentiator and how they do what they do, they were like, we're the Netflix of leadership training because we, you know, deliver what you need when you need it. And we can, you know, we, we kind of understand the business so that we can then customize what's next for you. So you know how Netflix kind of predicts what else you'll like. So they are like, we're the Netflix of the leadership coaching business. And I'm like, I love it. And they were really able to articulate that. And so I think that that also gives you a little bit of an edge, a little bit of a quirky, you know, something different. And so that's definitely something that I think business owners should think about is when I think about how I'm different and what my differentiation statement is, there's, there's a number of elements there. There's what the customer says about why you're different. There's how you identify yourself and where you position yourself in the market of being either Chanel or Kmart or Gorman or someone in between, and then what that actually means. So if you're the Gorman of the business coaching world, what are all the attributes that really help you stand out that help people to understand why they should buy from you, work with you, et cetera. And I actually think that, especially when you're a business owner and if you are a solopreneur, that's all part of your personal brand. So good. So good. I feel, I feel like I need to go and put pen to paper right now. Um, you know, I normally start my podcast with a personal question and I forgot to do it early on. So I'm going to end with it today, if you don't mind. We've warmed up. When do you feel really alive in your life? At times like this, like for me, when I'm engaging with anybody, with one person, with 13 people, with 100 people, and I'm sharing my ideas and what I'm really passionate about, and I'm really passionate about branding and business and women having, you know, building what they want, that's me in flow and that's when I feel alive and I could talk about it all day. And, and isn't that what we're chasing like these days, just more flow after I think such a disruptive year. So, look, I really appreciate you being here to share your ideas and your passion. You've done exactly that. So hopefully you can finish this podcast feeling alive. Uh, we really appreciate your superpowers. There was a lot there and I think people are going to want to have a bit, you know, a bit of a look and, uh, you know, really interact with that a bit more. So I'll make sure I put the link to your awesome, colorful website as well in the show notes and people can find you um, there and probably in other places too on Instagram and stuff like that. So, or Clubhouse if they're, if they're there too. <laughs> so Suze, yeah. thanks so much for your energy and your passion and your insights, you know, both personal and practical this afternoon. Love it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks so much for being here and being part of the Grow Tribe. It would be amazing if you shared this podcast with others at home, at work, gave it a rate and review in Apple Podcasts, and shared any ideas about what you want to hear more about or who you want to hear from. I love to hear your updates. If you're interested in learning about how to become a Chief Energy Officer, you're looking to fuel your impact in, and your performance, 
could be you, could be your team, have a look at the link in the show notes about where to start. And as always, drop me an email if you're looking for any support or you've got any insights that you want to share on growth. It's melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A, at go to grow.com.au. Thanks, everyone.